0: Welcome into episode 250 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. Sources Say is, as always, presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. Are you stressed about the big game? Take advantage of their special offer for KSR listeners and protect your teeth from clenching and grinding. For a limited time, they are offering 20% off bite guards and discounted therapeutic dice sport injections. Click the link in our show notes to schedule your free consultation. Offer ends april 4th i'm your host jack pilgrim of kentucky sports radio very happy to be joined once again it's been a minute zach Gagan. uh appreciate you coming on with us uh once again the triple g's what's going on buddy the triple g's yeah did you say episode 250? 250 250 uh, yeah. that's impressive
1: i feel like i was on for episode 200 as well so just hit me up in 50 episodes and i'll be on for 300 too and we'll get it going milestone after milestone so uh this
0: is a little bit of a impromptu surprise show um i just got home literally like an hour and a half ago from the mcdonald's all-american game flew in from houston um the game is actually tonight so clearly i'm not in houston right now because just between us the game doesn't really matter and it's not very competitive so i figured might as well be home and cover it from the comfort of, of my own home, I got all the good stuff with the practices and um, media day and all that stuff in the days leading up to this. And and there's a scrimmage down there that you actually got to see uh, with your own two eyes. We watched it from the same thing. They didn't let media into a private scrimmage that was streamed on ESPN. What sense does that make? I'm not really uh, quite I, sure. I saw people
1: recording on the, on the baselines, too. I wanted to send in a an official report to Ronald himself. But...
0: Yeah, I, I think they're just haters and uh, just keep keep keeping the man down, uh, I think is, is the best way to put it. So uh, this was just a little surprise show. Um, a lot of stuff came out of the McDonald's All-American Week, uh, both from a recruiting standpoint, Kentucky's four signees participating, DJ Wagner, uh, Reed Shepard, um, Aaron Bradshaw, and Justin Edwards all – Uh, participating three of them on the East squad, one on the West, Reed being the only one on the West, the other three on the, uh, on the East squad. Um, So plenty of good stuff there, but also a lot of NBA scouts and personnel and guys that know a lot about pretty much all of the stuff that we care about in the, in the land of BBN world. So uh, a, a lot of updates on stay and go decisions. Where are UK guys leaning uh, what would their feedback be if they do decide to enter the NBA draft? So um, a lot of pretty important stuff that came came from that. And I felt uh, before we sit down and, and really dive into what's happening tonight for the McDonald's game, I figured it was an appropriate time to talk about all that stuff. So uh, before we get into the stay-go stuff, uh, just want to get your quick thoughts on you. You've seen a ton of all four of these kids in various settings and um, you know, all-American settings. AAU settings, high school, uh, all of that, what were your expect- expectations going into this week for those four in particular? What, what were you hoping that they went out there to prove? Uh,
1: kind of what exactly happened, or at least from you know what I saw from the scrimmage and the reports that you've dropped, I wanted to see especially DJ go out there and just be the dog that we kind of know he is, and that's kind of the sense that, that uh, I got. I'm sure that that's what you saw as well, is that kid just loves to attack the rim and Doesn't matter what kind of setting he's in, he's going to go out there and attack the best player on the opposing team. So I feel like we got to see that. Uh, Obviously, the Aaron Bradshaw stuff with his uh, three-point shooting, you know, that's something that we've seen grow over the last year or so with him. And apparently he had that drill where he did five, made three corner threes or whatever it was. And um, all of the other teammates at the uh, or all of his teammates and I guess the kids on the East team also were raving about Bradshaw saying that they're like, man, we didn't know that this kid you know could shoot like that type thing. There he is right there hitting a beautiful pull up like he has a very smooth jump shot that he's obviously worked on a ton over the last year. Uh, And then I know Justin Edwards came out and he kind of did his thing as well. uh, Both ends of the floor. Reed was typical Reed, I feel like, where he kind of, you know, waits his part uh, until he's kind of needed to come on and do his thing. And um you know, he's probably, her he is the least heralded of the five signees there. You kind of see why in settings like this, but he's still obviously a very good player, you know, did well in the three point contest or uh, in, um, in the shooting drills, it looked like as well. So just, it was a great week overall. I know, uh, I think you said that there was Isaiah Collier was also talked to during the McDonald's interviews, like during their little practice thing, but the other three guys were all cats. They had Edwards, uh, Dylan, or um, Wagner, and Bradshaw all talk do their little sideline interviews for, you know, 45 seconds or whatever it was where they just gave three word answers. But either way, it was still cool to see that those three guys are kind of, you know, the headliners of this whole event, especially Aaron. He's really big. uh, Just his personality is really big. I think fans are really going to like him in general. You know, he's got the braces on and stuff, Uh, but he's really goofy kid as well. And him and Justin, they can come out of their show a lot in that way. And um, you see DJ here just in his stance as well. And that's, well, I guess he didn't do a good job on deep Well, no, he did do a good job on that defense. But, yeah, I love DJ, and, and he showed more of that dog mentality that we've really been uh, missing, I guess, at Kentucky here for the last couple of years. So he's going to be a great kid just in in general because his demeanor doesn't change no matter what setting he's in. And that's, that's what I love to see because he's going to be great in those bright lights at Kentucky. But,
2: obviously, overall, it was
1: a great week for those four kids. Uh, they still got the game tonight, so we'll see what happens. Like you said, it doesn't really matter. I guess that 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 scrimmage. I feel like, and the behind-the-scenes scrimmages are the stuff where you probably actually learn, you know, what these kids are actually like going up against guys their their caliber of talent. So, um, yeah, overall, not a bad week for our for our four uh, McDonald's boy, our burger boys down there.
0: Yeah, and I, I think if you're looking for so, there's good news and bad news. The bad news, I guess, will start is uh, it, it's. Uh, really not a great crop of talent overall. uh, Talking to NBA scouts, they were really not overly impressed with just, you know, from a pro standpoint that any of these guys are going to uh, end up becoming surefire superstars in the league. And, you know, they'll be drafted high, but it's because the entire crop is not very good. So uh, that's the bad news. The good news is Kentucky's guys were clearly the best uh, of the bunch, especially the top three, Aaron Bradshaw, Uh, D.J. Wagner and Justin Edwards, they each uh, in different settings, I was told. So the media wasn't allowed in the very first practice on Saturday night when they first arrived. Um, But talking to talking to NBA scouts, they said Justin Edwards was by far the best player on the floor. Showed, you know, his two way versatility and the things that he does really well on both ends of the floor. Uh, He did it, it. kind of set the tone to to open the camp which is always a great thing to hear uh the next day dj wagner unbelievable just alpha dog like yeah i think that's what this past team was missing I, I don't think that the team had a guy that walked onto the floor and said all right this is my show like this, i i'm setting the tone here everything's going to revolve around me and and it, you know, that that's, I think, something that uh, just a mindset and a personality trait that this past team was missing. Uh, and then Aaron Bradshaw, the star of the show uh, on the last practice yesterday, again, as a face up, uh, you know, being able to step out 18, 19, 20 feet and knock down like legitimate face up shots. Not just, uh, you know, it's one thing to be able to hit five shots in a, a highlight reel back to back to back and just with, with nobody guarding you. But are you actually a true face-up big uh, in, in that regard? And, and that's what he kind of proved. And I was talking to an NBA guy last night, like late last night said there wasn't an, an individual at this event that helped their own personal stock and draft status and uh, just overall thoughts of them, you know, big picture talent NBA wise and Aaron Bradshaw because they they bought it. Like that. they, they actually believe, that that is who he is as a basketball player and, and if if he's going to be his best version at kentucky he has to be a face-up guy he cannot be an anchoring rim running guy down low like we've seen cal kind of do to some other versatile uh bigs that like you know carl towns being the perfect example he came in and wanted to prove that um, you know yeah obviously he could do that in high school and shot a ton in high school but can he be that back to the basket kind of left shoulder hook guy at kentucky and that worked really well, and it's why he ended up being the number one draft pick, and it, it was perfect. But Aaron's not that guy. He has to be a face-up guy, kind of the way Olivier Sar was used, kind of the, the very tail end of his time in, in Kentucky. Unfortunately, it was too little, too late when we actually got to see the true face-up stuff. Uh, but NBA scouts just were drooling over Aaron Bradshaw and just kind of the potential. It's like, dude, he's really seven foot one, hitting these shots and hand in his face, pull up one two dribble pull up type stuff. Uh, really impressive showing for for. Uh, him especially, uh, there wasn't anybody that helped their stock uh, more than him. But we'll get into uh, how the game unfolds later on in, in the week or whatever. Um, again, not really that important how this game tonight unfolds. Um, I guess we didn't talk talk about Reed. Reed did a really good job uh, of just kind of like you said, settling in and and playing winning basketball and making an impact in that way. He he's not a camp setting guy. He's never going to be an All Star game setting. You know, he he wants to play winning. Team first brand of basketball, and that's what he showed, and and he definitely looked the part, uh, and that was kind of something that I was keeping a close eye. On. Did he look like he belonged uh, among guys ranked similarly to DJ and Justin and Aaron, and he's kind of at the tail end of that? So uh, he definitely looked the part, and in um, um, guarded Bronny a lot, right? Guarded Bronny, but also played with Bronny in a lot of the four on four and five on five stuff, and. Weirdly enough, they looked really good together. They kind of played off of one another, built a lot of chemistry there. And I know there's some like, oh, maybe that means that I I don't think that's going to happen. But it it was still cool to see that the the guy that everybody had their eyes on, Bronny James, was the most polarizing kid at the event reed kind of being the complimentary piece with him in the backcourt it was something that i personally enjoyed because everybody while they were kind of fawning over Bronny making shots and all that usually it was reed passing him those those shots those passes for those shots and whatever so yeah really good showing all, all for all four wild cats It definitely looked like they belong but still overall not a lot of nba superstar talent to keep a uh, keep track of and uh, it's just the, the nature of the beast with this class not all classes are created equally and this is certainly uh, one of them let's uh, move on a little bit the other I guess the biggest news that came this week is uh, the first domino to follow this roster Xavier Wheeler puts his name in the transfer portal the I think easiest and least surprising news of the entire offseason there wasn't a single person around the program around the fan base around the media that expected Xavier to even consider coming back to Kentucky for another year. Just uh, the situation was what it was. And um, can't say that I I was shocked that he was the first immediately putting his name in the portal and uh, already some rumblings about where he's going to go. I've said on this show that I expect Kansas state to be right there in the thick of things. Uh, Ulrich, his assistant at um, the the lead assistant at Kansas state was the guy he actually committed to at Texas A&M when he was in high school um, guy, he has a great relationship with, and and Ulrich is a big fan of Xavier Wheeler's game, and Marquise Noel is now expected to be back at, at Kansas State, and I think they kind of envision a, a similar uh, rehashing of that. I don't think it's, I think they're going to be disappointed just knowing who Marquise Noel was, and it's nothing against Savir, but just how good Marquise Noel is. I think it's going to be something that they're a little bit disappointed in, but that's definitely the number one school option for him. And I've heard some other big 12 schools and, um, you know, Texas A&M might express interest, but I think the general assumption is that it will be uh, Kansas State. Your thoughts on uh, the inevitable and unsurprising departure of Sabri Wheeler. Zach. Yeah, it's not
1: shocking at all. I think that's what kind of everyone was expecting, even dating back to, January, February, when all this, you know, whatever this was, uh, kind of first happened, I won't go into the details and trying to guess what happened, but uh, just seems like it was definitely time for both sides to part ways. You know, Savir can easily transfer away, being a grad student, he doesn't have to fill out a waiver and do all that BS that the NCAA is trying to, I guess, lock, crack down on or whatever they're, you know, trying to do with these second-time transfers. So it was just seems like an easy decision. I don't really see how he. DJ and Rob would even play together if that was going to be. And if he, if a guy like Reeves comes back, like those none of that just seems to make it much sense uh, from a basketball standpoint. Um, it feels like if Savir even came back, he would probably just be in a similar, you know off the bench type secondary point guard role that he was in last year. So from his perspective, I think it was smart to go. And if you can go to a team like Kansas State, that's obviously on the come up right now. Jerome Tang is clearly a really good coach. Uh, Kansas State fans might be a little... They might want to temper any comparisons to Marquise uh, Noel because that kid is, <laughs> uh, is probably going to find a way to get drafted somehow, despite being five foot seven. So, yeah, it was just it was time to it was time for both sides to to move in separate directions. And uh, you know, I think Savir will probably do well wherever he goes. He'll probably be another ten and six type guy, whatever school he ends up going to. So, uh, it it makes things a little bit easier, I think, for Kentucky's roster building this coming season. Um, it allows them to maybe dip into the portal and get another type of guard if they want to. Maybe a guy that can shoot a little bit more, maybe is a, a, a bigger guy who can maybe step up. And as, as good as a defender, Xavier, was, you know, he, he can't guard six foot three bulldog type guys. And that's what they I think they're kind of still missing right now. So that opens up a spot for that. Um, but yeah, it was it was inevitable. We all saw it coming.
0: Um, I think it's probably just the best move for both sides at this point. Yeah, and I will say, and, you know, don't, don't want to get too much in the weeds with this, but uh, there was off-court stuff, not with him personal, personally with character or anything like that, but um, he was not content. He was not happy um, and, uh, you know, not even something that you can fake. And, and uh, you know, I think UK did an impeccable job of keeping a lot of that in-house. It did saying a lot of the right things at the you know at the right time and handled it as well as they possibly could but he was not content. He was not happy um UK knew that Casey Wallace would get the keys in, in in his hand by years year year's end and we said that on this show that there would be some massaging that would need to be done to make yeah. sure there wasn't an absolute blow up in the locker room on Savier's part, because it's an ego hit to have a guy that has, you know, two-time Bob Cousy Award finalists lead the SEC in, in assists, all the, you know, on-paper accolades. But uh, just in terms of fit with this roster, Kaysen was the guy. And uh, unfortunately, Kaysen got the short end of the stick with that by year's end because Savier not playing put Kaysen in a spot where he had to be the on-ball guy. He had to be the playmaker, the facilitator, the initiator, the shooter, the scorer, the defender, you know, he was the the point of attack on on defense, having to kind of take the, the physicality and the brunt of, of that on that end of the floor uh, while playing 37, 38 minutes a game. And, and you know, that just wasn't fair to him. And it just put him in a really difficult spot. But um, I get it. And he, Xavier was not happy. And now he uh, has the, poss- the, the option to go find somewhere that does make him happy. And I hope he, he finds that. And I'm, um, um Time to, to move on to a new chapter in the Kentucky backcourt, and I think it's going to be a very refreshing one. Uh, especially just being around DJ this week, just you know the the the, the alpha dog that he brings and the, the 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 mindset that he brings to the table. Just to, as a uh, you know I'm going to do whatever it takes to to help my team win, and and uh, those those sorts of traits that you look for in a lead guard. That, that's definitely what you're going to get with DJ, and uh, I know Kentucky fans are definitely going to be excited for that as well. Uh, you you brought up. Uh, some of the other complimentary pieces that we got to keep a close eye on. I guess Antonio Reeves is another one that I I got a lot of good feedback on uh, talking to NBA guys down in in Houston, where I I think we're going to get some good news uh, on Antonio Reeves. I think he is going to put his name in in the draft. He is going to explore that thoroughly and see what that feedback is going to be. I would expect to hear something on that actually rather soon. Um, And NBA guys, are not sold that he will get any sort of guarantee, any promise. Uh, They're they're convinced that he'll get an Exhibit 10 deal, which will be, as you know, Zach, uh, a G League $50,000 a year. Take that NIL money, baby. Here goes nothing. I was told that he's making six figures uh, at Kentucky this past year. He wasn't even the face of the program this season. He was still making six figures. So uh, NBA guys were like, dude, he ain't touching six figures in year one, especially in the G League and, you know, he's not an NBA player yet. And uh, I mean, he may not, never be at least this is straight from the NBA uh, guys that will be t- giving him the same feedback in the coming weeks. So uh, I think he's going to explore the process. He's 22 years old. So there is kind of a do I need to strike while the iron is hot type deal. He's going to be 23 by this process next year. Uh, that is something that's going to weigh on them a little bit. And it's definitely something they're going to have to consider. Uh, but I think when push comes to shove, Kentucky's going to get uh, positive news on Antonio Reeves, and I think he's crucial to to what Kentucky's going to be doing next year, Zach.
1: Yeah, I don't – you know, I, I wouldn't say he's completely in the mold of an Emmanuel Quickly. They have similar games for sure. Um, but you saw – it. like, Quickly's game translated pretty quickly to the NBA, so I think, you know, they have that easy comparison. I just realized my cat's right here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think, you know, that quickly comparison is, is right there. And, uh, I think that by him coming back for another year, he can fill into, you know, his quickly sophomore year type role a little bit more. I'm not saying he's going to be the SEC player of the year or anything, uh, but I definitely think he has those microwave type scoring attributes. And if he can get a little bit better on defense, I really think that's where, because that's where quickly himself has really taken this leap and that he's about to be the sixth man of the year in the NBA. And I think that's how Reeves can kind of get himself rolling there. Um, you know, like you said, he is 22 now. He'll be 23 at that point next year. But that you're also kind of splitting hairs here really with his age because when you're already that kind of that old, you know, not to say that that's, you know, old. Like a guy like Cam Johnson, who's in the NBA right now, like he came out when he was 23 years old and he's having a really good career. So it can happen, obviously. Um but he's going to have to improve uh, just a little bit more. Like he's got to become a better passer. Like he's not—he doesn't have any sort of playmaking skills that the that the NBA guys are looking for. And I think he can generate a little bit uh, more of that next year, especially playing uh, alongside just more floor spacing type guys. You know, especially if Aaron's out there taking more shots, I think it'll open up the lane for him even more. For uh, uh, quickly, even quickly, uh, Reeves even more so. Quickly's back. <laughs> It'd be nice, right? Yeah, but he, he should be a senior, right? Or uh, something like that. He would be a senior yeah. this year. But yeah, so I think Reese will definitely, if that's the the route that he chooses, I think he'll definitely test the, test the draft Wilders because at this point, it's kind of dumb not to. Uh, like we saw, I think Jacob did it last year. Who else did it last year? A couple guys did it. Uh, yeah. And obviously, it just came right back and didn't, you know, they didn't hear what they won. And uh, I don't think there's a situation where Reese gets some sort of late first round lock like quickly kind of did, like under the table there. So, uh, yeah, bring him back for another year, make him kind of the centerpiece, not necessarily the centerpiece, but maybe the uh, complimentary piece next to a guy like DJ in the backcourt and just let those two guys go and score. Uh, and I think that you've got a really formidable backcourt there that can make
0: some noise. Uh, a guy that I, I obviously did not hear as much positive news on. I talked about it on the board and I wrote a little bit about it on, on the website, but Chris Livingston believes that he is a first round pick and the people around him believe he's going to be a first round pick. Um, the clutch pull is a significant one. Um, I, I talked to some people around clutch down in Houston and, and it's not about clutch pushing for Chris to go pro. It's that they know that Chris wants to go pro and the people around Chris want him to go pro and they're trying to do what's best for their, their client. And they know that they have the pull more than anybody else out there—the LeBron pull, the Rich Paul pull. They 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 genuinely think that they will be able to talk some contender into taking Chris. In the Do I agree that he's a first pick? Oh, hardly not. Brownie James I, about I, to be a lottery pick. I I completely dis-
1: I I completely disagree. What was that? That's a different situation than Brownie, but you know what I'm saying—the clutch connection there. I could yeah. see, I could easily see Clutch finding a way to get, like, like, I don't want to go back to the Quickly comparison again, but he was a late second round projected guy, and it was a shock to everyone when he went late in the first round, so, you know, it's not to say it can't happen, but Quickly was also the SC player of the year, Chris Livingston averaged 20 points, or 20 minutes a game, so,
0: major difference there. Yeah, so, it's not about Clutch pushing him out, but Clutch being there, being his agent, and wanting to put him in position to make a lot of money and make them a lot of money in in the process. If they can get him a first-round guarantee this year, he's gone. I mean, it's not even not even a question. Um, And the other bad news with Chris is I was told that even if he doesn't get that first-round guarantee and he does explore his options to return to college, that it will not be in Lexington. Like, I, I guess I didn't realize how much, it, like we talked about the role concerns and we talked about him not wanting to play the four and thinking that uh, the, the the way he was getting touches, yes, he got all the minutes that he was looking for to close out the regular season, but how he was getting minutes, the the way he was being used, how he was being put in position to score, those sorts of things, they did not even, it was better because he was at least on the floor and scoring and getting rebounds and all that stuff. But he was still not in their eyes being put in position to do what he did at Oak Hill, to do what he did at, um, you know, Butchell and Akron and the, you know, where we saw him as a top 10 recruit in high school, they, they just didn't think he's the same player that he was back then now. And uh, unfortunately I think it's going to come, I, I, I think he's going to, go, he's going to test the waters. I think he's going to end up staying in the NBA draft because I think Clutch is going to uh, figure out a way. to, If not a first round pick, he's going to get some shiny contract that that at least favors that route infinitely over a return to Kentucky. And even if that doesn't unfold, um, I I think that he would hit the portal to figure out whatever the best option for him is personally. And uh, it's unfortunate because I do think that he would be in all sec level talent, if he did decide to return, I think he and uh, Justin Edwards would complement each other unbelievably well next season, just at the three and four spot, the kind of finesse version of Justin and the kind of strength and, and brawn of uh, Chris Livingston. I think they would work really well together, but unfortunately, I, I would be absolutely shocked if that were to come to fruition. There was not a single person that I talked to down in Houston that thought that Chris Livingston would be back for a year two in Lexington.
1: Yep. And he would be, he'd certainly be a starter, I think, if he came back as well. Uh, Like I said, move him to, or put him at the four, however, Justin at the three. Uh, I think if, I think Chris should really try and, especially if he wants to have a really long NBA career, (laughs) embrace some sort of PJ Tucker type, Jay Crowder type role type, you know, something along those lines where you're just, you find your niche type thing and and really just buy into that. Um, Because I still think he struggles a lot just to be able to score at a basic level. Um, you know, he's, he's really strong. I think that helps him in a lot of cases. Uh, so that's why I don't, I don't think the, the other things I just mentioned, I don't think that's why he would be a worthy first round guy. And I still don't understand how, even if you were an NBA team, I don't know why you would want to take a guy like him with the first round, uh, unless clutch is tying something together where you get another one of their guys or however they have a rich Paul likes to operate. So, um, it'd be nice to have him back, but uh, I think Kentucky will find ways to to fill fill that hole. Honestly, I think kind of easy. That might be a, a you know a different take than some others because uh, obviously, like you said, I think he could be an All ACC level guy, but I also think there's a chance that he just kind of has the same exact role that he had this past year, um, and doesn't really you know take his major major leaps uh, on either end. So because the, the jump shot needs some work, I think as well, and uh, being strong can only get you so far, I think as well. Um, so.
0: We'll see with him. Yeah. And I I will say talking to people around Kentucky, they're not, you know, they're still optimistic that the meeting will be able to go well. and, And Cal will be able to kind of let talk him into his senses a little bit and be like, dude, ignore all of that outside noise, man. You're, uh, you have so much potential. You, you, there's such a clear fit on this roster for you. Let us just make it happen, man. There's there's no reason for you to rush this process. But um, I mean, the the guys that I, uh, I mean, and, and it's not just random guys around. Uh, like I mean, really prominent guys that were like, no, there's no chance that that Chris is back in Lexington. It's like no, he did not enjoy his experience at all. Um, so it is what it is. I good kid too. That would stink i like i like chris a lot so and so that that's the bad news and i guess the other bad news um damian collins um i I, he he had a a decision that i think was the hardest of anybody um because it had nothing to do with basketball I, i was told from from the start that if this was a basketball decision he would be back. He's loving his time in Lexington believes that this is the, the process that he needs for him personally as about, you know, professionally as a basketball player, uh, that, that it's progressing the way that he wanted. He's, you know, putting on the weight that he was hoping for and just, you know, mentally growing up as a, as a kid and, you know, all of those things, no complaints whatsoever about his time in Lexington. However, it has nothing to do with it. I mean, it's it's a family first decision. When you lose your dad, and you have your mom and your little sisters and and people around you, your your biggest support group that need you know lost their father figure and are in need of somebody like that at least close, somewhat closer to home. I mean, that's something that is just so far beyond basketball that. Really, basketball just—I mean—it's on the back burner. I mean, nothing, nothing matters outside of making sure your people are okay, and I think that's a, a pretty sad reality uh, with Damian. That um, I think he—he, he, you know, personally feels like if he would like to be back in Lexington, but I, I think that he knows he has to do what's best for his family, and that's at least putting himself in position where he can jump in the car and drive two hours to go see Mom, or you know, it doesn't have to be right next door but at least in position where he doesn't have to book a flight and you know all the logistical issues that come with that um that i think both sides understand and kentucky's in complete support of that decision they that's been the case from day one they i mean shoot they said earlier on in the year if he needs to just duck out and say forget basketball man i need to be home be home with my family they would have completely supported that decision uk has handled that as impeccably as they could and i just have nothing but respect for how they have uh, you know, massage just, uh, just unbelievably, I mean, impossible decision and in, in situation for, for Damien. So um, the expectation on both sides, uh, you know, I've talked to a lot of people around the program around, you know, people in the NBA thinking what his decision was going to be. And uh, people that know Damien's situation pretty closely, um, the, the running expectation is that Damien does decide to go in the transfer portal and tra- and head home somewhere, uh, somewhere in Texas. And, I, I i think probably for him personally it's it's probably what's best if i i had to say so myself zach yeah no i completely
1: agree i was kind of shocked to see him return as quickly as he did when uh everything happened there and i forget when was that jack january or december i, I mean it it was november i mean it was right when he, even. Our, yeah so a long time ago it feels like at this point i mean i guess it's really not that long but you know, Damien's not the only person that lost his dad. You knows the whole family lost Ben Collins, mm-hmm. so you have to think about it that way. Like you said, he's got other family members that, you know, they need a guy like Damien to maybe not need him to be around, but it's going to make things a lot easier for everyone if he's there and you know can be in support of everyone. And there's a lot of really good schools in Texas right now that could use. You know, you're never going to turn down a guy like a six a six nine pogo stick like a, like Damien Collins, who's had two years at Kentucky to learn how to. Uh, you know play in like a high profile type system like that so he's a guy he's he could probably have his pick of any type of school that he wants to go to down there in Texas if that's uh, the route he decides to take so um, and as you know as as far as you know what his role would be next year if he did come back to Kentucky uh, you know that's it's kind of hard to say too because you know Aaron Bradshaw and him kind of have a similar sort of you know they're not uh, they're not one to one to one like that but they're pretty similar in the way that Cal would like to use them and uh, we saw Damien try and do you know the face up jumpers and step out like uh, that's kind of the stuff that Aaron's gonna be doing too. so it'd be nice to have both of them, I guess, but if you want to really try and, I guess uh, what's the word looking at? if you want to try and just heighten the 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 ceiling of the team, it's probably best to have one guy that you just can kind of roll with and um, I don't know if you know Damien was a five star recruit and I don't know if he would be getting you know 25 minutes a game next year as well. I feel like that's probably also in his mind too, you know, he, he still has a lot of basketball to think of and he still has NBA potential. So, uh, going to a, a place like, you know, a Texas or a Houston or whatever sort of other Texas tech and any sort of those schools down there, uh, would allow him to get a 25 minute per game type run, uh, and really showcase what we all kind of thought he
0: might be, uh, when he first got here. Yeah. It's really unfortunate. And, and I, I do think that there will be a lot of interest for him, um, you know, just throwing not even specific schools, because obviously the process hasn't started yet. But, uh, you know, an SMU would make a ton of sense or a Houston or a, you know, Baylor. I, I'm I'm curious, just real quick, would you prefer him at an SMU or uh, UT Arlington with KT Turner? I, I don't think that would that would happen. But, you know, kind of a just a, a step down where he could be a superstar or a Baylor or a Houston where he's playing on a contender. Where they're at least going to be a you know one two three four seed something like that and closer to home and he could potentially take a huge jump. I'm I'm curious your your thoughts on that. Yeah, I don't know if he's capable of being like a superstar type guy.
1: I think he's got a lot of like really you know good capable skills and he was obviously a star at Atlanta High School there in Texas, but that was a town of like 300 kids. You know he wasn't exactly going up against the best of the best. And even if he is on some lower tier type D1 team. Uh, I'm not sure that he could be a guy that's, you know, putting up 15 and 10 and three blocks or something every night. Uh, you know, we, we never really saw the Kentucky, so I guess he certainly could do that. Um, but I think he'd be better suited playing in a, in a system where they can just use all of his positives, everything that he does good and just fill him into that, you know, make him a rim runner, rim runner guy who sits back and blocks shots and maybe steps out and hits some shots if he need to, uh, you know, put him in the pick and roll a lot. So, uh, I think he'll be better suited if he's alongside just a really good distributing point guard who can make sure to get him involved and um, yeah I don't like we saw what he could do you know in the Bahamas and stuff like that but I don't know if that sort of player you know superstar type guy really exists in him right now and that's you know that's just where he's at with his talent I think he's obviously a very good player uh, and I'd love to see him back at Kentucky but there comes to a point where you know he he's not going to be. It, if he did go to like a UT Arlington, you know, he could be great, but I don't think that team would win many games, you know? So yeah, it's, yeah. Just, it's a matter of, do you want to, you know, try and compete too and, and actually try and win something, which I think that's probably what he would like to do as well. You know, he's still a competitor and uh, as quiet as he is, like, you know, he's a, he likes to win. So I, I think him going to a, like still a really good, like a Baylor or even an S I mean, SMU is still kind of a you yeah. know upper echelon type, non-powered five school. So I could see him going there and still being like a, a you know, a, a, the second or third best guy there and doing really, really well.
0: Yeah. I, I thought that too. If you lose, win, you lose Damien, uh, man, Ugana gone on Yenso's decision, it, I mean, almost boils down to maybe the biggest on the team. Uh, unfortunately, um as Sean Smith is joining, and I was not expecting sure. to, to, to get a surprise appearance. Uh, Ugo's decision is super important, really one that I think Kentucky has to do whatever it takes to get him back. Um, I was told on Kentucky's side that they think that they're going to do whatever it takes to to make that happen, and they're very confident. Uh, But on the other side, I was told that what Ugo wants and what he says and all that isn't, uh, is, is relevant. Like Ugo will not be making the, the decision for himself, unfortunately. So it was a really crappy situation. We saw, uh, you know, Oscar Sheboy go through a similar situation in high school. And I mean, when when you have people in your life that kind of control your basketball decisions and what you do and where you, where, you, where you live and things like that, it, it creates a really uncomfortable reality that uh, unfortunately Ugo is dealing with. The exact quote I got was, Ugo doesn't know what Ugo is going to do. That's that's really slimy. It's really crappy that a really good kid is unfortunately kind of thrown in the middle of that dynamic. Um, and it is what it is. I, I hope Kentucky's able to do what it takes. I'm all, and I'm not even saying that it's a done deal that he's going to hit the portal and leave. But I'm just saying it's not the headline breaking news. Ugano Onyenso is coming back for another year. Kentucky. That's just not the reality of the situation. Uh, I. I I, I hope Kentucky does whatever it takes to get him back because he's going to be a hell of a basketball player. Uh, Sean, get your thoughts on that. Uh, and this is a surprise appearance. Was Didn't even know you were coming. I uh, appreciate you jumping on with us, but uh, the importance of Ugo returning.
2: Yeah, I didn't, I, didn't even, uh, I didn't even walk in my house. I was like, I don't want to waste any time getting the MacBook charged. I said, I'm just going to join over the phone. So uh, sorry for getting in here late. But I, I think he, he's one of those guys that Kentucky took and you you thought project piece, right? Like you're you're thinking, okay, you 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 have him come to the program for a year. He, he learns, he develops, and then he moves into a role in a, in a second year. And that's still the hope today, right? And he got some minutes early in the season. He he played big in key minutes in Kentucky's win against Michigan. And then you kind of don't see him much the rest of the year. So I I think it would be a I think it would be a a thing for the program that you don't want to see happen just because you you take a guy like that and you're talking long-term development and upside and potential. And I think that that's what you want to see play out that when a guy like that comes to Kentucky with the mindset that it it could be a long-term piece and development, you want to see it stick out. But I don't know, like you said, there's other factors at, at play here. That's, that's, I mean, Ugo in the NCAA tournament in that locker room, you can tell he, in his mind, he wants to be at Kentucky. But like as you say, there's there's other people and there's other factors playing into this. But I just think for Cal and, and the things the like the way things have gone, you know, you bring Shaden in and you say he's he's going to sit and he's going to going to learn and then he's going to play the next season. And then you the fans are told that Ugo is going to do the same thing and then you get to a situation where you might lose him too. That's you're starting to kind of see like how does this situation ever work out for Kentucky?
0: Oh, that's a tough one. And if Ugo does leave, then, I mean, you gotta, you gotta make a, a statement in the portal. I mean, you, either, you have no choice, but, but to do that, uh, there's a lot of talk about Keller where uh, at Oregon was a five-star McDonald's All-American. I've talked to a lot of people that know basketball infinitely more than me and have, have been scouting kids since they were in eighth grade and, and are, are brilliant at what they do. And they say Keller, is the guy that you have to get. I've been told that um, he's, doesn't love basketball, which is kind of difficult for a guy that plays basketball but uh, you know not one of those guys that are just you know obsessed with it and and live, eat, sleep and dream it. That doesn't mean you can't be good about it Andrew Wiggins is in the NBA right now and is not a dude that absolutely loves basketball. You, there are guys that are still very very good at what they do and are not just obsessed with with it. Um, so that's a name the initial list of schools that came out. Kentucky was not on them. Uh, but I would be absolutely shocked if the situation unfolds where Ugo leaves that Kellell Ware is in, at, at or near the top of the list for Kentucky. Zach, I know you, you've you had some experience watching and just What what would that addition mean, and would you be interested in that being a potential replacement? I remember watching uh,
1: Kellell Ware in, uh, in high school for sure. Uh, we watched him a couple of different times in like some sort of all-star game type settings, and I really like that kid. He's pretty much just a really long, uh, jumpy, like you know, versatile type center. Uh, he's kind of Ugo esque. I mean, not really. He's got, probably got a little bit better offensive game than Ugo, but uh, you know, you're kind of looking at, you know, sort of the similar style production. Uh, you know, honestly, I'd rather probably just have Ugo at that point if I'm Kentucky. Um, obviously, that might not be up to them, but Chloe uh, Ware is a guy that you could. I would definitely think Kentucky should, you know, when he, when his name first popped up, I was the first. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? is Kentucky going to reach out to that kid? And I looked at his stats and they actually were surprisingly not that great for an Oregon team. That was really, really bad. Uh, So I don't know if that kind of ties into what you're saying about, you know, maybe he's not a basketball guy and being on a losing team really disinterested him and wanting to play well. And, and, you know, that's its own other thing, but let's say he's in a good environment where it's a winning environment and, you know, Kentucky obviously wants to, you know, incorporate him into the rotation or what have you, but, I still think Aaron Bradshaw would probably start over him, anyways. So, Khalil's probably going to take that in consideration as well. Um,
0: but yeah. Well, Aaron Bradshaw's playing the three, so you, you got to have you got to figure out who's going to play the five. So you know, Hugo, go and Aaron Bradshaw in your front court. Ooh, facing. Ooh, I don't know. How, I don't know how you score over that. I mean, now I don't know how you score on offense,
2: but. And I'm i with Zach on his stats. They they're not that great, but I think some of his better games came against. Some of the better competition on their schedule. I, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think I think he played well against UConn. If, didn't they play UConn? I'm I'm not for sure. Maybe a, Wisconsin. I, he had a good game. Maybe. Yeah, I, I know Wisconsin Michigan State. I think they played. I think they played Michigan State too, and he and he put up some numbers. I know when you look at some of his highlight tapes, it was in games like that. So there's certainly potential there. And if you're Kentucky and and you lose Ugo, though, you've got to hit something big in the portal. And. I mean, the, the portal's got to be a, a player here. And, uh, you just like somebody was asking me today, like, try to predict, predict a starting lineup for next year. And I was like, good Lord, I have no idea where to start outside of DJ. And, uh, I think I mentioned DJ and Justin and Bradshaw. Those were the three that I locked in. I said, I'm not locking anything else at the other two because I don't know who's going to be on the roster. And I keep saying that I could see Reed Shepard with a significant role next year, depending on where they're at in the backcourt. And, and what they do, like, do they add? A, I mean, obviously, with if Reeves returns, I don't know how. I don't know how deep you all got into stay or go decisions and things like that. But I think from the beginning, we've always thought that Reeves would be one of those guys that was most likely to return, probably the most likely of the group. But uh, if, if Reeves is on the roster, I'd probably plug him in to a starting role, and then depending on Living Chris Livingston's decision and what they do there, like I, I'm assuming that that's the spot that's probably the the one that's kind of the big iffy right now with you don't know where who you're going to put there is the four
0: yeah it, we, we talked a little bit earlier that i'm hearing that reeves is, is likely to return assuming no nba team offers him the moon which talking to nba teams they will not be um so <laughs> I, I think if you get dj you get uh, assuming rock things go well with Rob. And there's some scuttlebutt going on right now about what the deal with rob if you've been listening to the show that's not news and that's not that's something that ever. I mean, even like i mean we, we've said that it's it there have been concerns, or will always be concerns, until I, I said on a radio segment this morning. I, I'm going to break it down into if Rob gets on campus, if Rob lasts a month on campus, and if Rob ever plays a game on campus. Like I, I, I mean, it's going to be one of those like we got to get there. Once we get there, and I mean, maybe it doesn't. I and mean, I'd love it because I, you guys know, I'm I love Rob near and near to my heart because he is. The most entertaining player in this class, and it's not really close, but he he
2: process. can do he can do the things that some of these guards in this tournament that we've we've watched, right? Like can yeah. make a shot that you think like, oh my goodness, we're where you, you need offense, and then he hits a shot, like that's that's Rob Dillingham, and then he'll take a shot or two where you're ready to pull your hair out, and and <laughs> or four or five or eight or or four or five, like it'll just. And you're going to, and the people that want Cal to take timeouts, he might take them just to get him the hell out of the game <laughs> at, at times. Like, that's, that's what he, he may do. But no, that's where I was coming from with the Reed Shepard comment. Like, I could see Reed's role increasing if something were to go south with Rob and then Kentucky not go portal, which I, I think, I don't know. Like, there's, there's so many things that could play out between now and honestly, like when it comes to college basketball rosters, especially Kentucky, you're probably going all the way up until June. Before you really know what a roster looks like, given the NBA draft uh, deadline and everything else in the portal and and stuff, uh, now that we're into the final four weekend, the, the portal is getting hotter and hotter, with names going in, and you kind of have a an idea of who's going to go and who's going to who's going to be available for college basketball a few weeks from now. But what can Kentucky the, the comments that I heard, and I know you were there, Jack, at McDonald's and stuff this week, but the comments from those freshmen kind of give me some hope because they had a swag about them. And I know people yeah. yesterday was like, no, we hear this every year that want to win national championship. No, like, you know, what oh, I like, it was different yesterday. Like when Justin said Cal can get back to playing freshman the way he used to, that was the comment. That's a ballsy-ass I mean. quote. It, it is because that's like, we know what we're coming in to do. Like we're coming in and we're going to play a ton and we're going to try to do this and, and get it right. And I mean, you've, you've had guys in that game in the past talk about getting to the NBA. And yesterday it was one national championship and he and, can play freshman again. And like Rob is an asshole, like it, a good <laughs> asshole. You know, he, he's one of those dudes
0: that like, he'll look at you in your eye and go, I'm going to score on you and cry about it after the fact. I don't care. DJ dog, Justin dog. Like it read, like Reed. We've seen. Like, stuff. Yeah, he'll like look at like he'll kind of have the jolly old smile as he's like kind of talking trash under his breath to the guy like <laughs> he looks good for the cameras, but like if you actually like mic him up, he's like yeah, I'm gonna score on you again beep 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 like he's he's a dog. Like can, this is a group of of win, like win at all cost guys that again, it's a it's a not great class, but they got the it to them. And that's yeah. something that this last class was missing they were, they weren't enough bodies to kind of build a culture of young kind of identities like that like this this upcoming class does but uh, they may not have the talent of an early John Calipari class but I think they sure as hell got the
2: mindset well wow. and they do and and this plays into a guy like Antonio Reeves who I thought this year at Kentucky was called upon to do more than what he probably thought he was going to do and I think even you and I and us three probably thought like going into the year but he, he became the guy at the end of the year that it was, if he didn't hit shots, Kentucky wasn't winning games. And now you, he can kind of slide. If he does return, he can slide into a role that's better suited. He doesn't have to be a dog mm-hmm. next year. You've got dudes that can carry that load and the mentality of it. And then he can do the thing that he does best, right? Shoot the ball, make shots. And everybody can kind of carve out their roles as planned. Uh, I mean, it's a roster that if it all comes together, like I think that there's reason to be optimistic about what Kentucky can be next year. But I think there's also a couple of things that need to play out for you to be not so optimistic. Like there's, it's kind of a waiting period right now where you're, you're hopeful, but you're not too much invested into it yet because you want to see what it looks like. And uh, somebody asked me today where I would, where I would put Kentucky like in preseason rankings. And I was like, I have no idea. Like, I want to wait and see what rosters look like. I still think they're going to be in the top 10, given off the talent that they have coming in. And we we know where they're they're going to be somewhere in that, that mold. But do they add in the portal? Do they lose somebody that – or do they gain somebody back that we maybe not expect them to gain back? I don't know. Like, there's so many factors at play here right now that it's so hard to determine what they're going to look like outside of the freshmen.
0: Yeah, Uh I- I, we wanted this to be kind of a, a brief show just to you know get some thoughts out. I just returned from Houston with the, the McDonald's game, so I wanted it to, to uh, get out relatively soon, so even though this kind of ended up being a little bit longer, but uh, we'll wrap up there, and I, I'd expect some news to drop. Uh, Cal said last week that Wednesday was going to be when the actual sit-down meetings would start and kind of mm-hmm. actually dissect things and, and do that. I think some of those have already started, but – the real nitty gritty starts tomorrow. And I would not be shocked if that's when we kind of start uh, seeing some stuff come out and could come out in rapid fashion. So uh, I would definitely keep a close eye on that That's part of the reason why we wanted to get this thing rolling out tonight and get some thoughts off. And um, it's going to be a busy off season one way or the other. And uh, we're definitely going to be a big part of that and appreciate all of our listeners and comments. And again, uh, unbelievable feedback on this show and the numbers are going crazy in the comments and all that. So appreciate everybody tuning in on short notice. We literally got this scheduled on like a five minute notice and had people like 200 people in the waiting room uh, waiting for the show to start. So appreciate all the, the amazing feedback. You guys are the best. Um, one quick message before we get out of here. Source to Say Podcast is brought to you by Andy Ludicky and MyPerfectFranchise.net, a franchise consulting company that helps others find franchises that will help Uh, that will fit their needs, skill sets, investment requirements, uh, and time commitment constraints. Andy is super nice, great to chat with, big college sports fan, by the way, and we are very excited to partner with him. This year, Andy is an experienced entrepreneur and has been helping others go through the same process that changed his life 10 plus years ago. If you're wanting to find a way out of corporate America or a way to diversify, please reach out to Andy as he's got a ton of knowledge in this world. And best of all, his services are 100% free to you. Always. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. You can learn more and contact Andy anytime at www.myperfectfranchise.net. Uh, let's get out of here. Zach, where can fans find your work? You can find me, as
1: always, at a great website called Kentucky Sports Radio uh, or hop on the KS board. We're always in there chit-chatting as well. You can find me on Twitter at zgaganksr gagan is G-E-O-G-H-E-G-A-N. Jack, you know what it is? The Triple Gs. Uh,
0: Sean Smith, where can fans find
2: your work? You can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at GBBCountry.
0: Find me on Twitter as well, at Jack Pilgrim KSR. reach out to me via email. JPilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. As Zach said, hit that KS board. We're putting all of the good stuff out there. Uh, sign up for KSR+. Plus. Uh, you're not going to get better content than, than what we're putting out over there. We're, we're having a great time with it. appreciate all the early... Uh, feedback. Uh, people are subscribing at a crazy rate. They're su- subscribing here on the uh, YouTube page. It's blowing up across the board. So appreciate all of the awesome feedback. You guys are the best. We'll be back next time for the Jam Source to Say podcast. We will see you then.
2: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring